This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, Lance Wackerly. D. Simon is not here this week. Uh, as anybody who's on the forum, the Sick and Wrong forum, or D's Facebook page probably has heard the sad news. Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Bob, D's father, passed away about a week ago. And uh, D is off dealing with that. Through the magic of podcrafting, we were able to pre-record last week's show with the fantastic Mr. John Steele of From the Ville. So we were able to, able to make it a week there with both hosts, plus a guest uh, for one week. Uh, but this week, I'm on my own. D should be back next week, but uh, at the worst case, uh, the week after that, he will be back and... We'll have this podcast shipped running right as rain again. I'm actually glad that we uh, I was able to skip last week with that pre-recorded show because I got food poisoning the week before. I'm not sure if it was from a bad item of barbecue or some uh, just dirty drugs that I ate uh, over uh, Labor Day weekend, but uh, it wasn't right. I'm still dealing with intestinal discomfort. Um, so it's actually nice to be able to record this in my home where I'm, I'm right next to my toilet and I can pause the recording at any time and shit at my leisure, which I can't really do if, you know, when D's here recording with me because he's, he's got a timetable for these things. Uh, that being said, I'm at home and, and you guys might notice that this podcast no longer sounds like I'm recording it on Alexander Graham Bell's first telephone model wired up to my asshole and that's because p-town loaned me some audio equipment and i i could barely even get it running but it seems to sound a lot better so we can all be thankful for that and how, how can you express your your thanks for the great sounding audio of this podcast well you know how you can do it you can go and order something from adamandeve.com our sponsor use the coupon code code diddle and you know all your sex needs will be fulfilled all your dreams are com- will come true. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. Want to add a little spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, we can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no, Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. So before anybody freaks out, no, I'm not going to read some shitty old-timey novel. Uh, I got the message last time. It wasn't appreciated. Uh, my reading, not the message. The messages were quite appreciated. We always like feedback. Uh, you can write to us at sickandwrongpodcast at hotmail.com or go and post something on the forum or post something to our Facebook pages. Uh, you'll easily find us there if you have any internet capabilities at all. 
If you don't, tough. Uh, what I am going to do is uh, I have all these old phone calls that we've skipped due to time constraints in older shows, but uh, I think are really good, and I don't think we should have passed them over. And I had ar- argued with D to include them, but they, you know, it didn't happen. So now that D is uh, out of the picture for the week, then I uh, I am going to play some old calls that I found very amusing, and then I'm going to pull some. Very special old old audio to close the show out and maybe even throw in a song at the end. So you guys should uh, be well entertained, trust me. Before I get into these calls, I should probably mention we have a second sponsor which people may know about audible.com. I don't have the copy in front of my in front of me, but supposedly you can download audiobooks and textbooks and fictional books to your iPod player or or just your laptop computer or anything that will play an MP3 or other type of media file. And if you go there, use our same code diddle that you can use at Adam and Eve and I can't even I think you maybe get a free book or 50% off your first book or Something good will happen, and I think you should just trust me on that. Uh, all right, let's go with the first call here. Uh, this first one is just to go wet our whistle. It's from Navy Girl, and I'm always amused when people are behind listening, and then their commentary sort of comes from the past. Even though this call is old, because I think it came in several weeks ago, it really it's like a time warp because she's still listening to like episode 150 or something like that. So here we go. Hey, Dean Lance. I'm in the Navy and I started listening to your show about like right before I joined in March 2008. Due to boot camp, schooling, and deployment, I've never really caught up on the show. I've been back on shore now for about like maybe six months or something, and I'm only on episode 152. In episode 152, some dude is, like, talking about how he imagines what you both look like. I've never looked at your website. I get the apps through iTunes. But I imagine that Lance looks like a very effeminate, casual businessman with short, gelled hair and silly grin at all times on his face. That's about right. For D, I imagine an older man. When I say older, I'm, like, 35 or something. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He is older. Something. With many, like, tattoos and piercings all over his face. Constantly chain-smoking and knocking back whiskey shots while trying to impersonate various accents and failing miserably. You guys play this on the show probably be another six months before I hear it, but hey, thanks for the many entertaining hours while I'm doing all my shitty-ass work in the fucking military. Keep it sleazy. Keep it real. Lefty out. I guess she's in the Navy. And the only reason I really played that one is because I like a funny description of D. But I really wanted to lead into this other military call which is by a guy who claims that he is a gay Marine, which is always funny, but he's got some prison stories, which are incredible, and I don't know whether they're from military prison or if he became a prison guard afterwards, but I don't want to give away too much, so let's just get into it. Hey, fellas. Uh, this is Eric in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and I've discovered your podcast, and I fucking love it. Um, I just uh, was listening to you guys talk about 
penises and how they look the best and being a gay man. I feel like I'm a bit of an expert on that, but I like them on all forms. I was actually thinking of calling you anyways and to tell you a sick and wrong thing. Uh, little, little white farm boy from Wisconsin. Um, and uh, I joined the Marine Corps and uh, I, I knew I was gay at a really young age, but uh, I uh, <laughs> actually wanted to deny it, so I thought Maybe the Marine Corps can make me into a good man. So I joined the Marine Corps. Well, this led into you guys talking about penises, and and I was actually thinking of telling you a couple of prison stories because I, I uh, wanted to be in the military police, and well, the wonderful military can kind of give you the old shaft. <laughs> and um, they uh, put me in a... Uh, uh, in, to be a correction specialist, so I was basically a prison guard, a brig guard, a brig rat, and um, I, uh, I, uh, we had this one guy in uh, Billy Bell. Uh, he's probably he's well, he should, yeah, he is. He should be serving life in uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, at this time, and uh, he he was this really hot black guy, and uh, I. Uh, yeah, I would take him to the showers, and he would work himself up, and I would just love watching him beat off in the shower. And uh, one day, I was actually taking him back to the cell, and we got to this little spot. Um, this was a prison in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, on the base on Camp Lejeune. And, um, yeah, it was this old crazy building. But... Uh, I actually blew the guy one time in the prison. So <laughs> he was actually in prison for uh, being involved in this gang rape. Uh, it was six guys. They were all locked up in there together, and uh, they had uh, just gang raped a woman and to death. <laughs> yeah, gang raped her to death. Nice. Uh, we actually had another guy in there. None of the. He was the only one, only prisoner I ever blew. Um, <laughs> And uh, that did pretty much tell me, yeah, I'm gay. I gotta work with this, deal with this. But uh, I had one guy who had actually chopped the lady's head off with a samurai sword. Um, he actually walked up to me in the middle of the night one night to tell me his cell was unlocked. Yeah, that was pretty fucking creepy. We had another guy who, uh, he uh, killed his two-year-old son by pouring boiling water over him. Yeah. Those were the worst ones that stick out in my mind, but uh, that's some pretty sick and wrong shit, and uh, I just really want to thank you guys for what you're doing. Your uh, podcast fucking rocks, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, just wanted to let you know you got a good gay listener out here, and uh, just love the penis talk. Yeah, um, if you wanted to, you could actually see mine. Um, I'm sure you guys probably wanted to see me, but uh. Yeah, um, you could go on XTube and just search a video. My last one, it was uh, Cam1234. <laughs> you could see my penis. My penis looks pretty good, too. All right, fellas. Love you. Bye. Well, I have to say, that was incredible, and I don't know why, how we could have passed that one up when it first came over the transom. Uh, so any gay people or ladies who'd like to see this guy? I assume he's jerking off in his X2 video, but he can be found under uh, 
I guess the submitter's name is Cam1234 or the name of the video or whatever, but uh, he blew a dude that he was supposed to be, uh, uh, I guess, what, what do prison guards do? Guard. They guard. They guard, and if you're a gay one, sometimes you blow a guy if he's hot enough. Uh, I guess that's just the way of the world. <laughs> uh, this next one I want to play because it's kind of like a, a sick and wrong love connection. Well, really, love isn't involved, but two truckers are involved. Uh, a couple weeks back, some guy called in and told us a great story about how he was driving his truck through Idaho or something, and he witnessed two other semis sort of shear a deer in half, you know, like one hit one half going one way and the other hit the other way and going the other way. Uh, all right, if I haven't confused the issue too much, here here's a call from another truck driver. Hey, you sick motherfuckers. Uh, this is Jeff from fucking Idaho. Uh, I'm just listening to fucking episode 240 right now while I'm driving my Coke semi <laughs> down the highway. Uh, I fucking hit a deer the last couple of weeks. And I think that the fucking dude from Idaho that just called on episode 240 was the fucking guy just behind me or whatever. That's fucking crazy. Actually, uh, just hit a deer in my coat semi a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. So fucking A. That's crazy. Anyways, I love the show. Uh, fuck you. All right, so this last call, uh, actually, I do think just came in last week, but uh, mainly I want to play this one to spark discussion amongst the listeners, and then I hopefully will revisit this issue when D comes back in a week or two. Hey, second wrong. Don't have much time, so i got to ask you a quick question. Uh, who would win in a fight between you guys? Uh, thanks. Go Vikings. So, who would win in a fight between D and myself? Uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners have opinions. Remember, I outweigh D by about 30 pounds, at least. <laughs> Which isn't to say that I'm huge, but I am a fat fuck. So, but I'd like to hear everybody else's opinion, you know. D D's kind of a badass-looking motherfucker with those jail tattoos, and, and he used to play football, and... We did have a, a a marathon, or not a marathon, but a foot race one time between him and myself and a couple other dudes we know. And uh, he does seem to be more uh, athletically healthy than I am, so who knows? But uh, I'm also drunker than him most of the time, so I always have this sort of Billy Bob Thornton from Bad Santa Defense or, or thing going for me that you know I'm pr- probably you can hit me about five or six times before I even start to feel it. Uh, but I put that out to the listeners. Uh, so, you know, call in, email us, post on Facebook. Who do you think would win between D and myself? And if you want to throw some wild cards in there, maybe you can rank, you know, Sleazy E, uh, D's brother Jeffrey, you know, P-Town. P-Town's enormous, though. It's kind of outclasses us weight-wise. And obviously, uh, our friend who used to be a bouncer at several strip clubs is would just pummel us all. We could all sort of attack him at once, and, and he would still surpass us. <laughs> so, 
Without further ado, uh, as, as I said, this is kind of uh, D's not here. He's dealing with uh, the arrangements for his father, and you know, my heart goes out to him and his sister and his brother Jeff and uh, his honorary brother-in-law Jer. I know they're all back there dealing with that, and it must suck. But uh, I kind of want to make this a Rabbi Bob memorial show. And what I want to do is I want to pull the audio from episode 141, which is recorded almost two years ago, uh, plus or minus a couple weeks. It was the end of September 2008. And if you remember, this is when I was out of town. So Sleazy E sat in with D, and they talked to a guy who claimed he had a machine that would restore your foreskin after you got circumcised. The guy was a very anti-foreskin. Uh, I found that part of the interview to be quite boring, so I'm not going to play that. But I am going to pull the audio of uh, this. So then they also, as sort of a counterpoint to that, uh, Sleazy E and D called uh, Rabbi Bob, Dave's father, to find out why Rabbi Bob is pro-circumcision uh, I listen. I re-listened to it today. You know, he's it's a covenant with God between the chosen people and uh, you know God, I guess. Um, so here we go. Without further ado, this is Rabbi Bob from two years ago talking about why circum why he's pro circumcision. All right, enjoy. <laughs> I mean, some people get sex changes. You know, man becomes a woman. Yeah, you get to, you get to feel. I mean, but this yeah. is. But they, but the yeah, the reverse of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. fascinating. So, yeah. so there you have it. There's the point. Um, circumcision in in Ron Lau's mind is wrong, and uh, let's let's move on to the counterpoint, uh, the the Jewish perspective on why circumcision is still relevant in this day and age. Yeah. So we're gonna have to give my father here, um, Rabbi Bob, a phone call. I was actually kind of amazed that he agreed to do this interview on Second Wrong. Well, he's very, I hear he's very passionate about the subject, so he probably obviously wants to counteract what, what uh, Ron said about... You know what I think it is? I, don't, I think he's never actually listened to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we'll have a new fan here. Uh, so um, yeah, let's give uh, Rabbi Bob a call. Hello? Rabbi, how are you doing? Doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. This is D. Simon and Ian here. Hello, Calling Rabbi. from uh, Sick and Wrong. Hello, Rabbi Bob. Thanks for doing the show. It must be kind of late over there in Michigan. Yes, it's uh, five after twelve. Are, are rabbis usually up this late at at midnight? I am. I'm a night owl. I always have been. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to us today on Sick and Wrong. Oh, it's my pleasure. The subject of the show is uh, is circumcision, and um, I know. That the uh, the ritual of circumcision is still uh, widely used with the with the Ju- with the Jewish religion, um, the Islamic religion, and I mean a lot of uh, Christianity still does it here, in, at least in the United States. And so um, we we just spoke to someone who's an anti-circumcision advocate, and so now we're kind of getting the other perspective of the argument okay. by speaking to you. So in Judaism, halakha, the Jewish law states that circumcision is a Mitzvah Ash, a positive commandment? Yes. It goes back to the time of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, where Abraham 
sacrificed his son Isaac as part of the uh, as part of his uh, joining the covenant at that time a covenant of monotheism between himself and God, and since that time it as it mentions in the book of Genesis, uh, every male among you shall be circumcised. Again, the commandment is repeated several other times in the uh, Torah in the first five books. It's considered a very a very sacred part of this covenant. The the young child at the age of eight days entered into this covenant between God and the Jewish people. So now, but what was the purpose of it? Was it to to uh, signify that you're a Jew, or is it like why would God have a commandment of that sort of that type? I would say, again, I don't know the mind of God, but I would say that that God that God came came up with it. Simply because if he wanted, he wanted to distinguish these people as part of it, to show them some visible side of the covenant, and that and that was in that particular culture side of it. There, don't forget, you're dealing with the Bible, especially those of us who are not Orthodox. Look upon the Bible as a compilation of sources put together in the various culture of the time, and the same. And interestingly enough, uh, there's a lot of overlap between Islam and Judaism. And in the ancient Middle East, there, were, there was this custom of circumcision. They probably did it there for reasons of hygiene, what have you. Nevertheless, in Judaism, things, for example, just like the laws, the dietary laws. Like uh, keeping kosher. Hygiene originally, they became holy to, to make the Jewish people aware of their unique role in the world. And circumcision, I would say, comes under that category. So do all Jews circumcise their kids, like the, their male children? Yes. Uh, so even in Israel, like uh, this, the Sephardic Jews, they, they still uphold this tradition? Yes, that is one of the things that unites Jews in these traditions. For example, uh, we have the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, coming very shortly. All Jews observe Rosh Hashanah. All Jews blow the shofar, the ram's horn. And equally, when, there's a, when a male is born, he is circumcised. And in modern Judaism, we have a similar thing called a covenant ceremony. Of course, no circumcision, obviously, for a girl, because we believe in equality between men and women and male and female. So now, what about an adult male who decides to convert to Judaism? Would he have to undergo circumcision if he was uncircumcised? Let me take the orthodox and conservative viewpoint. In the orthodox and conservative viewpoint, which, of course, covers traditional Judaism, yes, the male, if he has not been circumcised, must be circumcised. If, on the other hand, he was circumcised medically with no religious ceremony, then he must do two things. They, 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 they draw a, do- a drop of blood, and it's a very simple operation, much simpler than drawing blood even at, at a hospital lab. It, they draw the drop of blood, and the man must go into a ritual bath. So wait, did they wait, draw a drop of blood from his finger? No, from his penis. What? Okay, from his penis. Wow. And then he has to go into a ritual bath? It sounds worse than it really is. <laughs> anything, anything being prodded around my penis gets me a little wor- worried. Oh, let me say this. In Reform Judaism, which I represent, right. in Reform Judaism, there's not a requirement. Some Reform rabbis were recommended. We never require it. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the ritual itself. Uh, Brit Milah, or, or bris, the bris, the bris is what it's, it's yes. called colloquially. Yes. Uh, well, explain the ceremony to um, to our listening audience. Yes. Well, we must understand in Judaism, there's a covenant. The whole idea is covenant between the Jewish people and God. A covenant not just of laws, 
but of social justice. In other words, to make this world a better place. We, that's the covenant. We are that way, as we call ourselves, the covenant people, with that in mind. Therefore, because it is a covenant, when a young male enters the, enters the eighth day of his life, he is, um, he is given the, the circumcision. And it's different from, uh, from what a doctor does. How so? There are blessings which are said. First of all, they bring in often the grandparents and someone who holds the child, and he sits in a special chair called the chair of Elijah. Because Elijah the prophet is supposed to usher in the messianic age, this age of justice, brotherhood, and peace. So it's like a social event? It's like a ceremony, it's right? It's a social and a ritual event right. which brings the family together. And then you have the godparents who will hold the child, and then the, they'll say some prayers, then they'll say a special blessing, pointing out how, how, God, how God has given us commandments, and we must in turn observe the commandments, especially the commandment in this case of circumcision. And then this man, who in Hebrew is called a Mohel, he does nothing else but specialize in circumcisions. He is much, much quicker, and actually in many cases much more efficient than a doctor, because a doctor does a whole draw-out medical operation. Right. This man does it quickly and efficiently. In what? fact, Queen Elizabeth had her male children uh, done, done by, uh, by a... Uh, by male, a moil? A Jewish moil. So is a moil a doctor? No, but he's had medical training. So how, how do you become a moil? Like, do you, well, is it a hobby or is it it's another profession? It's a profession, and, the, and they are trained by... Orth- Again, let's take the Orthodox point of view. The moil must observe Orthodox Jewish law, and he must be trained this way by a man who is equally observant He's doing it not as a medical operation, but as an operation with the idea of the covenant. Uh, he's trained that way now. In Reformed Judaism today, we use a male, and equally because of women, a female, mohel also can be trained. And we in the Reformed movement use our own, often will use our own mohel. So what? So exactly what is the mo? So is there anesthesia involved with a child? Because you always hear people, especially people who are anti-circumcision, says that the child experiences extreme pain and trauma. Uh, let me disagree with that very strongly because, first of all, the child never told them he does. Secondly, well, he wouldn't he, uh, because he because he's you know like two days old, right? So, well, how, anyway, how old is the child? The reason has to be done on the eighth day. Okay, is, and many physicians have pointed out this, this pointed this out. On the eighth day, the nerves are not developed yet. Uh, we know the child could live medically. But the nerves are not developed yet, so the child really feels nothing. The nerves in the penis or the nerves to the, you in, know, to the well, brain? The, the, generally to the penis. Right. Then what we do also, uh, as part of the ceremony, after the child is given a name, oh yes, I meant to point out, the child is given a name also at the ceremony. And it's pointed out this name, and it was pointed out the whole idea. As the child has entered the covenant of Abraham, so may he enter the covenant of marriage, the covenant of studying the Torah, and the covenant of good deeds. Right. But the circumcision is entrance into life. The but, other thing is he gets older, the other part of the covenant will come also. Uh, well, wouldn't they do other rituals like bar mitzvah? But, I mean, if they have, like, going back to, like, if they have, like, um, they say the nerve endings aren't developed enough to, to where they all feel, feel, feel pain or trauma, then, what, then so many people talk about the, the almighty scream of the child when it, when it actually in, endures the, the surgery. Well, a, ch- a child will scream anyway when, the, when certain things are done. I mean, the child doesn't know he would scream anyway. Plus what we do also, 
We give the child some wine. When he's through, we take a little piece of gauze plaster, and we give the child wine, and that usually knocks the child out. <laughs> so you get the kid drunk first, and then cho- chop off the tip you know, of his penis. We, we, Jews celebrate wine. We, we Jews celebrate our rituals with wine. <laughs> Equally, there's very little alcoholism and drunkenness among Jews. I feel personally that this is so because we... We, we don't have wine or alcohol or something forbidden, therefore you shouldn't do it. We don't, we frown upon drunkenness, but everything within moderation is fine, be it sex or anything else. Within moderation is fine. Right. Huh. Well, I <coughs> kind of hope you gave me some whiskey back even, then. Even penis chopping. Whiskey, wine, David wine. So why, in your opinion, do you feel that circumcision is still relevant in this era, in, this mod- in modern times? First of all, many physicians have said uh, it's good. It prevents cancer of the penis, uh, it, it, and, and the fact there's no foreskin. The uh, it's much easier to keep it clean and so forth, away from infections. Uh, and I think also, in terms of why we survived the thousands of years, simply because we believe in a covenant, a covenant that's kept us together as Jews. And, and I think it's very important that a young Jewish child being born, a baby being born, enters this covenant, is conscious of this covenant, that when they get married, they equally will circumcise their children and then teach their children the idea of the covenant. So it's tradition. It's basically just tradition, right, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, I think tradition, in any religion, but especially our own religion, tradition and identity are both very important. But, I mean, we just... we. Um, that, uh, Dee said earlier that, I mean, like, even the American Medical Association... Um, like, well, they said it's an unnecessary procedure. Okay, but in terms of, I guess, you know, in terms of religion, it's a tradition. Yes, that they're right. passing on. Right. It's a tradition again to each his own. Right. So, so why do you think there's there's currently a backlash against circumcision even amongst Jews? Well, you know, they often say Jews are just like everybody else, only more so. And I think in the West Coast, where many of these let me say, interesting trends have begun. Jews are very much involved in these things. Oh, okay, so I, so have you ever had to counsel a couple about circumcision? No, I've never. In it's, my it's years ne- in the rabbinate, I never had that. Uh, I never had the, that situation. So, so it's just a given that 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 they'll that it's going they'll to have that chart. Yeah. Yes, but usually don't forget if if people belong to a congregation, they are generally people who are establishment type Jews. Now, there are, I know there are many people who are not establishment. And again, to each their own. Right. So, so um, Rabbi, I want to ask you another question here. I've read about like a, a traditional Hasidic Jewish custom called Metziza Bipeh, which I don't know if this is... Some people had, had, had uh, brought this up a while ago and sent me an email about it. And I, apparently in New York City, a Hasidic rabbi was being investigated by the New York City health officials after a child had died of herpes. And apparently, this centuries-old ritual um, is, is when, a, uh, when a, a moil would use his mouth to suck blood <laughs> from the wound caused by cutting the baby's foreskin. Yes. Have you ever heard of this tradition? It's a tradition done by very, very Orthodox Jews. However, it's frowned upon today, again, for the reason that you said. And uh, no, no modern mohel would ever do that. So, but but what, what's the what, even so, even even in like the really old, you know really strong Hasidic uh, Jewish right, communities? Right. Well, again, the, the ultra ultra orthodox probably I would imagine still do, but certainly I mean like here we have 
a uh, couple of a- experts, very competent conservative Mohalim, uh, the plural Mohalim, right. Mohal, they, they will never do that. What they do is, the whole idea is to wipe up the blood and everything around there. They use gauze and uh, antiseptic, things like that. So, and the Mohalim, uh, Mohal I've officiated with over the years, they'll tend to put all their ointments and everything out beforehand. So you think you're like in a uh, mini pharmacy. Okay, so this is a tradition that is definitely outmoded and not widely practiced. Yes, and this is why we recommend strongly today, and even, I think even modern Orthodox does, use a mohel trained properly in uh, sanitation, medical, and everything else. And I can only say that a couple of mohelim I know in, in two, two conservative congregations here in Detroit, and they are really excellent. So now, why would you think that um, I know Jews in in Jewish law and in Islamic law, it's a commandment uh, to to have this covenant with God. But why would Christians in in America well, adopt this tradition yeah. or adopt this uh, adopt circumcision? Well, again, many of them feel for uh, for cleanliness. For okay, hygiene. so it's hygiene. Yes. Hmm. That's that's, that's fascinating. So, so finally, um, Rabbi, I want to ask you this one other question here. Uh, we just interviewed a guy who created a device that uh, it's called the TLC Tugger, which uh, basically restores one's foreskin. Which, and uh, apparently, uh, the, the guy's quite successful with it, and uh, this is his uh, day job now. So, what would happen if a Jewish person restored their foreskin? Like, would that would, would he still be Jewish? Would you still be Jewish? Yes. Uh, again, we don't practice excommunication. So, uh, yes, he would still be Jewish. But is that right, worse right, than right. being tattooed? Because if you're tattooed, you're not allowed to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. And, oh, that is an orthodox custom. Uh, we reform Jews with body a person tattoos a lot uh, in, a, in, in a cemetery. Okay, so I'm okay. <laughs> I got a few of them. <laughs> All right, well, Rabbi, thank you for uh, discussing circumcision with us. Oh, it's, my pleasure. It, thank you. It's, it's good to have the opposite side of the, the argument here because yes. we hey, present having, one side and it's nice to have the counterpoint. the opposite side of a, of, a, of a rabbi who follows Jewish tradition and yet is liberal. So I'd follow a liberal interpretation of Jewish tradition. Right. Of Jewish tradition. All right. Well, thank you, Rabbi, for speaking to us. And uh, have a great night. Thank you very much. You too. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Okay, bye. So that was fascinating. Wow. Yes. You know, it, it, it's even a, even a, even a liberal view of uh, I mean a rabbi, but even a liberal view is still includes uh, um, circumcision, which is pretty uh, pretty damning. Really. Well, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a little shocked because yeah. I had actually asked my father about the Hasidic vampire rabbis, <laughs> you know, that suck <laughs> well, the blood and- out of their infants. Penis, and you know, I asked him about this about a year ago when I found out about this this obscure tradition here, and he like kind of was elusive totally about it, denied. completely denied oh, it. He was like, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. But right. when I brought up the Hebrew term, oh. you know, all of a sudden, I think he had to spill like spill an ancient beans. rabbi secret here. <laughs> and uh, so now we now we just create this conception that all Jews suck the blood out of their uh, their children's penises. You know, I think now he just made it even uh, more of a negative version of Jews, yes. like a negative image here. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially that what was that one that recently or whatever got p- prosecuted for killing a baby through that through by herpes. But yeah, by by giving the child herpes through his open uh, the, sore in know, his mouth. I, I mean, had no idea though when I was asking him if an adult male would have to be circumcised. I didn't know you had to like cut blood and then get in a ritual bath. Well, yeah. well, but wait a minute. What happens if the if you, if you're an adult and 
you get circumcised and it bleeds and you're orthodox, do that, does then the, the moil still have to suck the penis or? You know that we should have asked him. <laughs> you know that's a, that's a question for another time yeah, for Rabbi yeah. Bob here. Maybe we shouldn't know, would need to know that anyway. So all in all, there you have it. Both sides of the issue of circumcision, whether it's wrong or whether it's right, I guess it's entirely up to you. You know, uh, after hearing both sides of the argument here, and uh, you know, I think uh, not that I would ever have a kid, but I think if I did. I would cut the kid just to make sure he went through the same amount of pain that I did. But I would give him whiskey, not vi- shitty Jewish wine. You're vindictive. That's all. Well, what about you? Would you cut your kid? <laughs> Hell no. Actually, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I mean, um, I know. I just, just recently, a few of my really close girlfriends have had um, children, and uh, they, I've, I, I specifically asked them that question, like, and they, they just, they, they, and I try to talk them out of it. But you're trying to persuade them not to, to cut. Yeah. And they and uh, and they, you know, they were in adamant. San Francisco. Yes, in San Francisco. Yeah, and and I really persuade them, and they 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 were just like, I don't want to get in, I don't want to get into it with you, but I mean, um, and the only reason they're not Jewish, the only reason they were doing it is to fit in, so that yeah, when their kids you know, grew up and they were in the, you know, the, with the frat boys in the in the showers uh, after after football, then they wouldn't look any different than than. You, you know what though? This might be a chauvinistic view on the whole issue. But okay, it's up to the woman ultimately whether or not to decide to have the child right. because we can't really force her, you know, to abort. Unless you, but unless it's you up get... to the guy to decide whether or not to cut. <laughs> cut Seriously, off. dude, it's it's up yeah. to us cuz we're going to be like, "All right, this is my kids Johnson and I need to decide whether or not, you know, I want him to have a circumcised or an uncircumcised member." Right. I mean, right. I, that's just well, up only to a me. guy can can really like make Could that relate. decision really, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. It's yeah. like, you know. And so yeah, I think all in all if I had a kid, which would never happen, because uh, <laughs> well, thank you, <laughs> thank the Lord, because <laughs> I think my kid would be an FLK, a funny-looking kid uh, or fuck-looking kid. But yeah, he would uh, have to be cut. Right. But uh, that, it, you know, it was good to talk to um, Rob Lau and uh, Rabbi Bob here on the show, and I hope definitely, I, definitely. a very educational show for the sick and wrong listening yeah, audience. Yeah, a little bit different. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I thought that was great. Uh, we learned from the rabbi about Abrahamic covenants with God. We figured out that we were told that Jewish people are just like everybody else, just a little bit more so. And uh, we found out that the kids don't feel the circumcision because they get them drunk on wine first, which is always good policy in my book. Uh, Well, you know, the rabbi will be missed for sure. And I'm not going to close this show out with some ridiculous punk or metal or novelty music as we would close out a normal show for you Philistines. I'm going to force you to become a little more cultured. And this is some authentic New Orleans or Norlands jazz wake music by the Magnificent Sevenths. And it's called As I Lay My Burden Down.